like what you and I are into and what we're about to talk about, mm-hmm. it might not be for everybody. Like, right, trying I mean, to kill big deer. We're talking about hunting big mature whitetails. Yep. If you don't like it, sorry. Perfect. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Painted Arrow Podcast. Today we have a really great conversation with the guys at Tag and Brag. And Dean and Dave, they're two guys originally from Ohio. They spent a lot of time in New York and they're hunters. They're just really passionate bow hunters. They have a great YouTube channel. Devin and I have been following them for a while and what you're about to hear is a conversation between us and them. And I correct me if I'm wrong, Dev, but our main goal was that we just really wanted to get to know these two guys and, and just understand where they're coming from, how they're going into the woods and what their mindset is and everything surrounding that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, we've followed them for a little while. And the thing that's just been very evident for us and infectious is just their passion. They're very passionate about their lifestyle and what they do. Um, they're very driven and dedicated to, to bow hunting. And, um, yeah, I think we just wanted to we wanted to kind of get to know them. Uh, we, we, we had a list of questions and some things we covered with them, but more than anything, we just wanted to kind of hear their story and find out kind of how they got into it and, uh, and why they do it. Yep. We encourage you guys to check out all their content. It's just tag and brag with an N, um, in between those two words. And we, we enjoy it and we think you would too. And here's the conversation between Dean and Dave at tag and brag. We wanted to pursue it, you know, at, at some level of a of a career so we got into the hunting industry we didn't know anybody we didn't have any contacts we didn't you know we were just like crapshooting trying to <laughs> like turn rocks and figure out which one had some cool shit under it <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh and i mean now we're here you know like you guys were were uh we're obviously passionate about what we do and we appreciate you guys recognizing that and we're we're certainly not going anywhere we've you know, built a career out of it at, at this point. And, um, I mean, Dean still does some work outside of the hunting industry and I do as well on the, on the video production side of things too. But most of what we do is, is focused around our passion to hunt. And, you know, we live in America. It's kind of, it's kind of cool to be able to have that opportunity to create your own destiny and stuff. So. Yeah, that, that was one thing we were curious about is if you guys were, you know, doing this full time or, or kind of what that looked like and you said you you kind of grew up in it so at, like what did that look like like how, that was one of the main you know questions i guess we had is like how how did you guys it sounds like it's been a family affair for a long time so how did you guys get you know brought into hunting what did that look like and kind of at what point were you like man i think we we want to make a career out of this thing i mean like i said we were I mean, Dean can attest to this. We, we, we came up like it was elementary school. I mean, and when it came to like weekends going, like we, we would get out of school on Friday and this started in elementary school, middle school, like young. And my dad or my uncle Jay would pick us up from school on Friday and we would be on our way up to New York. And at that time, we probably had, I don't know, Dean, what, what, what did we have at that time? Was it only 40 acres to hunt up there? Yeah, probably when we first first started. Yeah, it was 40 or 45. It was, four, it was a little maybe. 45, 50 acre chunk maybe. Okay. Um, well, but, we didn't even hunt. The funny thing is we didn't even really hunt Ohio. Like we're all, we lived in Ohio, but yeah. that was where we went to hunt. So that's where you guys our, are from is Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I, I assumed you guys were from New York or, I guess, grew up in New York. Yeah, most people, kind of, most people kind yeah. of do just based off of our content and the fact that we kind of, we kind of call our New York farm our home base because yeah. that's that's where this all started. Um, but, yeah, my, as David was just about to say, my, my mom's family is from the Chautauqua area in New York. Um my dad's family is just is from Cleveland, but they're my grandparents have had a house on Chautauqua Lake for um, over 50 years now. So it was a uh, growing up, especially in the summertime, like every weekend, that's where we would be. You go to the lake in the summertime on the you know Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and then in the fall, about eight to ten miles from that, 
lake house is where we had our 40 acres so that's what we would be doing in the weekends in the fall it was like the guys would be going to camp for the for the weekend uh to uh hunt yeah and i mean it was like it was nuts when we first started like you know it was kind of right at the end of my dad always calls it like the wild wild west days where in New York, I mean, it was once shotgun season started, it was like, get the boys and we're going to go stomp the bush and we are going <laughs> to kick, kick deer out and boot deer in every direction. And you shot anything that was brown. Like we were meat hunting back then wholeheartedly and anything with horns was a bonus. And I mean, anything with horns was a bonus, yeah. like spikes, three points, little sixers. That was all a bonus back then. Yeah. Um, we, we were in, in bow season, which bow season was always a smaller group. Like it was only usually my dad, Uncle Jay, and maybe like one or two other uncles. My grandpa would come up at, at times, but like my dad and my Uncle Jay are the ones that kind of like broke the ice in the archery world for our, for our family. So in New York, the season was set up where it opened October 15th. And then there was five weeks of bow season, and then there was three or four weeks of shotgun season. And so the five, the I always loved, I loved it all, but I loved the five weeks of bow season because you could kind of feel like the transition of fall and like the, the rut to me, especially at a young age, was so intriguing. And we were lucky enough to be put in like some crazy rut scenarios where deer bucks would just be chasing thrashing around just like where the woods just like erupts with activity and at a young age like that was that was insane to witness you know like that was it was insane and and at that time we're literally most of the time we're on like wooden man-made stands which could just be like uh (laughs) a couple two by fours and a piece of plywood that are literally nailed to two separate trees, or it would be like small, like rinkety rusted out ladder stands. And Dean and I would literally, it would, we, one of us would go with my dad. One of us would go with uncle Jay and we would literally sit in between their feet on the platform of the stand while they stood there holding their bow, waiting for anything. I mean, it was nuts. Like there was no safety harness. There was no like tree stand safety, anything like that back then. Like the way that we grew up hunting is, is insane to even think about now with, with the change in just not, not so much technology, but just the, the the evolution of, of hunting in itself, especially bow hunting. Like it was nuts. Um, (laughs) it was always a rat race and it's, it's, it's funny because we're actually developing a little, um, podcast that we're going to come out with ourselves, and we're calling it goose chasing because that was kind of like the coined phrase back then is it was always yeah. a goose chase in everything that we did You're, so we want to be able to bring that you know bring that to light a little bit but i mean that's what hooked us from the beginning and and it i it was probably then like watching like some of the monster buck videos and the old primos and um I'm trying to think of Roger Ragland, some of the, like the old, old timers, Stan Potts. Um, we were watching those videos in the, in the midst of enjoying the hunting aspect ourselves. And this is before we could even pull a bow back good enough to shoot something. And that all hooked us enough to where we were like, we've got to figure out how to get into this. We've like, we want to be a part of it. Yeah. And it was, I mean, we were probably 10, 11, 12 years old when that kind of mindset started to kick in. And little did we know we were, we were positioning ourselves to, you know, create a career for ourselves in the hunting industry. The way you describe <clears throat> your guys' upbringing is just so similar to, to Nate and I as well, because we were both, you know, we, we got into it both because of our grandfathers and it was just uh, such such a similar situation where like you know they're not they were not from the generation of hunting big bucks like they were they like you said it was a goose chase and you were out there and if it was brown you were you were after it and it was 
it's just it's so just such similar upbringings and uh we, i can relate a lot to, to everything you just said there everything was celebrated though you know yes. like that's what that's what is that's what bums me out about like the state of the hunting industry right now is that like social media is such a necessary evil but yeah. i mean even even like we just posted a video earlier in the week and like man is it it is so black and white with the opinions on this video it's it's insane and like and people are going at each other and then they're going at us and you know passing judgment and it's just like that was like a when we were growing up that was a judge-free world like yep. there was no judgment like you hunted you were a hunter you were a, it was a band of brothers that yeah. was it like if you had that label if you put the camo on you were a part of the brotherhood didn't matter what you shot didn't matter how you did it just you were a part of it and now it's not like it is it, it kind of pisses me off to be honest because oh. like i look at myself and how i and how we came up in hunting and i look and i think about like a young kid now that age that wants to try and come into this and man they're exposed to all this stuff too and if i saw half of this stuff i'd be like screw that why would i want to get involved in this crap we were yeah we were just talking about that and i mean you 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 said it it pisses me off because it we should be supporting each other we should be every, like like you said it was a band of brothers like the the excitement and the the appreciation for each other's successes is just not there anymore and it's like that's that is really frustrating because we're all out there for the same reason. The same reason, but it's like if anything, you know, if anything people are trying to figure out something wrong with what you did. Yeah, yeah. It seems like like uh, we, they're trying to pick something out instead of picking out something positive. It's like, what did this guy do wrong? Yeah. So I got to right. ask you guys a question. So, so Devin, this year we had a video um, that we that kind of went viral on our on our social media stuff because Devin took a frontal shot and just put it through the pump station. I mean, he, he was dead within, I don't know how many. 40 yards. Yeah, like quick. Hell yeah. And I was watching, I was watching, I believe it was Dave, right? You guys look so similar, yeah. but I believe it was Dave. You you put one through the pump station at like 20 yards. On a frontal. On a frontal. Yeah. Kind of like that oh, yeah. scrape. And he was just, just. Gushing. Yeah, just pouring out. And that was like, that footage was awesome, first off. But I guess my question is, is, did you guys get a lot of negative uh, attention on that one as well? Yeah, we got a ton of negative attention. I mean, there, I, I was actually shocked at how much support it got, to be honest. Um, but, but it got a ton of negative attention, too. And, you know, people going back and forth on the debate and, and whatnot. And, hey, I'm not advocating that everybody should take that shot. Mm -hmm. But at 20 yards... I'm kind of, like, I shoot my bow religiously. I mean, I, I, I shoot it religiously and I, and I'll live and die by like, if I miss a shot or whatever, like it's on me, mm -hmm. like I'm controlling the damn weapon, but at 20 yards. And in that scenario, that shot all day long, because I'm confident. And if you place that, you obviously, there's, there's a larger, um, window for error, I guess. Yep. I guess, but if you know what you're doing and you know the anatomy of the deer, that's one of the most lethal shots you could take. There are none. I mean, yeah, that's one of the most lethal shots you can take. Like, I, I, we produced Ben Rising's show, Whitetail Edge, and he shot a buck last year that he called Scissors. Exact same shot at like 15 yards. He shot. I mean, this deer was not quartering to him. He was facing him. Yeah, and he freaking put that thing right on his heart. You saw a blood explosion instantly, and that thing wheeled around and literally didn't go 30 yards and even done. Yeah. I mean, That's you wild. can't. But it's like, I feel like with the with like the technology of the bows and the, the efficiency and the ability of the equipment now, you can take that shot because you have kinetic, you've got enough kinetic energy to penetrate enough which you actually don't really need to penetrate as much as people think right at in that shot to, to be lethal but you can you can drive that arrow in there to where it's that is a that is an ethical 
shot, in my opinion, for somebody who's confident. Now, I'm not advocating that everybody, that a beginner should take that shot at all. But if you've been doing this long enough, like, that shouldn't be frowned on upon as much as it as people may think it is. Yeah. And maybe people just hate on it because, you know, that's just another thing to hate on for that day. But yeah. that's just my opinion, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just, it's no, it's knowing your equipment and knowing, just knowing where to aim is the, is the biggest thing. Like that's. It's, yeah, it's personal knowing, preference and your own, like your confidence in your setup. I mean, like you said, if you shoot your bow and you're confident in your setup and that's your shot, like who, why are we telling each other what we should or shouldn't do? And, and like, that's the reason ours went viral is because people are debating the ethics of this on our post and calling each other names and yelling at each other. And I'm just sitting here laughing. Like, yeah, it, it's just like it, it, it was just it was funny. So we were curious if, you know, if you guys got similar response on that same type of shot. But well, and it's like, I'm sure you could see your deer go down too. like, just yeah. watch the video. You tell me how it works. <laughs> like, it's really not that uh, it, we're not telling stories here. Like you can watch the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Devin and I, I mean, we obviously, we have a podcast. We talk to a lot of different hunters, and I'm sure you guys do as well. And it seems like a commonality or a common thread. You know, it seems like everybody at some point in their hunting journey kind of figures out how to kill big bucks, right? Like they just kind of like something happens over the years, and they just they understand maybe the biology more or their, their land or whatever it may be. What what do you guys attribute? I mean, it, maybe it's maybe it's land management. Maybe it's something else. But, like, what is it? for you um that really you kind of just contribute a lot of your success to over the years and and figuring out how to kill mature bucks because i mean if there's one thing that i could tell you guys is that these fellows here kill pretty good deer so what would what would be some (laughs) of the things that you would attribute that success to over the years um go ahead dean yeah i mean you're the you're the brains behind most of this anyway so well, I mean, I, I would look at it from a couple different aspects. I mean, I could go down a whole different, like, talk a lot, a lot about our, our property in New York and managing, like, obviously, there's a lot that goes to kind of growing your own big deer. Yeah. And then aside from that, there's just hunting big deer because, you know, you could do it on public or you got a little piece of property here, a little piece of property here, permission on this property. The biggest thing with that is, is we just learned to be the most efficient with our hunting time. I mean, it could have been eight, 10 years ago. It was just like, you just got to get in the woods and anything can happen type thing, which it can. And I totally agree with that. Um, you can't kill them from your couch, but we've just using our, using trail cameras and scouting. We just hunt. Like if you're seeing a good buck in an area, you got to hunt him. Like if he, if he makes himself huntable, whether that's a lot of times that means showing himself in daylight on our, on our cameras. But if we just know he's in there, that's where we'll spend time there. You know, there's other, there's other times where people hit a certain piece of property and they just keep hunting it. But they're like, I really haven't found the big deer yet, or I haven't found a, a good deer on camera or anything like that. Well, it could a lot of it is strategy and trail camera placement, but a lot of it might just be, he's just not there. So you're not, yeah. you're not hunting. What's, you know, a good. I, I mean, you're hunting deer. what's there all the time, but it's just a matter yeah. of if, if he's there or not. Yeah. So I, I, I think the biggest thing is just being efficient because we'll we pour so much time in to managing and doing everything on our land in New York, food plots, um, just creating cover um but still if there's not a good deer in there like if we know our age structure isn't right like we just at least for me personally and i could say this for dave as well we just won't go hunting there you know that doesn't mean we're not we're not taking care of the the deer herd and watching it and monitoring it and seeing what's you know like as soon as something moves in it's like boom all right let's go it's time to it's time to hunt like this buck moved in um but I think, yeah, I, I guess going back to it, I just think the biggest thing is I think trail cameras use in general, knowing where to put them, being willing to move them if you're not getting something on camera and just hunting a deer that you know is there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get, like, there's a lot that goes into, like, the chess match 
of all of that. And, and we've been fortunate working with Ben rising the last four years, going on five years now. Like he's taught us so much from afar. The dude's a big buck. Freaking, I mean, he, he's one of, if not the best, he's the best big buck killer that we personally know, but he might be one of the best, if not the best in the industry when it comes to getting literally, he could get a piece of property never stepped foot on before. He did it last year in Illinois and spent two, knew there was a big buck there. The neighbors were all seeing it. The landowner was seeing it on trail camera, just couldn't get close to him. And in two and a half days, like he figured the deer out and killed him. Now that's like an extreme, you know, an extreme um, example, I guess. But like Dean said, a big deer you have to be hunting a big deer you have to know that he's in a certain area and then you have to have the discipline to there the times where you feel is right and you have then you have to have the discipline to if that's your goal like if your goal is a specific deer or of a specific age class or score or whatever like you can't go against it you got to have the discipline you can't go against it because if you go against it you shortchange yourself. Number one, now you're out of a tag, so you can't hunt another big deer. Maybe you can if you're if the state's a, a two buck state or whatever. But normally, like you're you just tagged out, so you're out of a tag, and you may have shortchanged yourself on the whole like deer management system in general. Because if your goal is to shoot like a four or five year old buck, and it gets later in the season, and you shoot a three-year-old buck, think about what you just did. You were one year away. You were one year away from that deer being what you are coining as your target deer this year. You were one deer, you were better shoot, you were better off shooting a two and a half or a year and a half year old buck. At what You weren't invested in that deer at that point. So the discipline around all of that is, is huge. And not only the discipline in like actually like targeting the deer but the discipline in your preparation like your stand placement like dean said your camera placement shooting like it's a different ball game when you are face to face with a a mature deer like that you've got to put yourself in those positions you're going to screw up though you're going to screw up multiple opportunities but eventually the more like that you put yourself in the more you're start, going to start succeeding and you succeed a couple times in those scenarios, now all of a sudden your energy, your overall comfort level in that situation is going to be more sound the next time that it happens. So the consistency is just kind of like a, a snowball effect. You know what I mean? And I guess that's kind of a long-winded answer, but it's it's a process. I mean, if you just think you're going to wake up and start killing big deer consistently next year, it, that's not going to happen. And this, it didn't happen for us that way. So you have to be patient. You have to be disciplined. And you've got to kind of work within your own goals and, and be realistic about, you know, the deer that you have to hunt in your area. And, you know, realistically, what do you want to accomplish? Yeah. No, I really I really like that um, example. Like the, the four-year-old deer, if, you're, if your goal is to kill a five, I mean, you were one year away from having the, having the opportunity to, collect the trail camera dad and actually hunt that five-year-old deer like if that is your goal and right i do i mean I'm, I'm speaking for myself here but i mean this year i i shot like our goal was to shoot four-year-old deer in michigan in the area we are like that that's a good deer you know and a lot of them get killed young and that's that's totally fine and that's that's there's nothing against that for those people who want to shoot those deer but it's like Man, a, a decent buck comes in front of me, and I just if it, if it gets me tickled, sometimes I just cannot help myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but honestly, like that's the beauty of, and that's where I like if if somebody asked me, you know, what do I do? How do I shoot? Like, what do I shoot? What do I want to shoot? Whatever. Like, how do I set my goals, standards higher, whatever? Like in the moment, if that if whatever's in front of you is firing you up to the point where it's like uncontrollable you need to roll with it you need to roll like forget what everybody else is For gonna sure. say think judge you on whatever 
I ain't going to judge you on any of that. I have my own personal goals and that's fine. I'm in my own lane. Like I'm hunting for me and my happiness and what's going to make what what's going to make me feel good. Yeah. And the, like, I can't tell you that we've got a deer on camera that right now I'm saying maybe I wouldn't shoot. And he walks in. If he, if he trips my trigger, if he fires me off, I'm, I'm living in the moment. And <laughs> anybody else can criticize that as much as they want, but I'm rolling with it. Like yeah. if they, if it fires me up, I am, why I hunt. That's why I, that's why we're out there. That chase, that. Feeling, yeah. That's what that gets you into the sport. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, and that feeling should like, that should finish it also. Like when you're old and still hunting, you, that's what you're still striving for is that feeling. Yeah, for sure. You know, like that should never go away. All right. So I'm going to change gears on you guys a little bit here. Um, and if you guys don't want to talk about, um, this, you don't have to, you just let me know and we can go right over it. But, uh, Dean, you, you, on your hunt, um, for Bernie this year, you were walking out to your stand and you, you had some issues with a neighbor and you said some things about, um, basically made it sound like he, he was not for you guys. He's trying to sabotage your hunt. And, and you, you mentioned, you know, a guy like that, you just got to pray for him. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, I just, I, I think we're just curious about the dynamic with your, with your neighbor there. Um, and if, you know, people can relate to that because, especially like where we're from in Michigan, it's a lot of smaller parcels. It's highly competitive and, you know, dealing with your neighbors is a consistent part of hunting season. Like that's just, you know, you either got a good relationship with them or you don't. And so I think we were both, I think I even watched a video where Dave, you had a similar situation too. Um, you were going out and didn't you both kill on those hunts too? The, um, the two so, I, I think the two I watched, you both went out and the neighbor was trying to sabotage your hunt and you but you both killed. But um <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Um yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Dave. No, I, I mean it's 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 been ongoing. Um that's that's been an ongoing thing for us, unfortunately. It's you know we kind of just roll with the punches. I mean, if you if you're a follower of us and you've you've watched us for a couple of years you've seen the hunt where i where i shot the godfather a couple of years ago a buck that we called the godfather a couple of years ago same neighbor gave us hell for that and started sabotage that's really when kind of the, the whole thing the whole sabotage of everything i think started um where it was really like it was noticeable that like this guy is legit trying to make our hunting lives a living hell and it's not that he's trying to just like you know poke at us a little bit like no no this guy is literally trying to make our hunting lives a living hell and i mean handled it our you know we've handled it our own way it it infuriates me that people get away with stuff like this because it's whether it was us, like I'm, I'm actually glad that in this particular scenario it's happening to us, so that other people don't have to deal with this, especially ones that are trying to like get into hunting for the the true values of it. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, it's it's just like bullying in school or stuff. I just have very little tolerance for other humans going out of their way to make another human's life miserable. Yeah. I have no, I. I, I have very little tolerance for that. So for me, you know, we've kind of, we've, we've had to brush it off. And at this point, you know, like, like from my view, I guess I'm like, well, we're going to film all this stuff regardless. So maybe exposing this behavior will deter somebody from doing it, will bring awareness to it and, you know, hopefully help somebody else's situation but we know that this it's you know you talk to people around the industry all the time that deal with the exact same thing Mm -hmm. and it's on it's it's very unfortunate it's it's completely against every reason that we hunt it's completely against everything that we kind of grew up the values that we grew up with and you know that we grew up um learning about about hunting specifically and I, i mean I don't know. I, I, Dean's Dean's I'm proud of Dean for, for, you know, sticking it out in there and literally, 
you know, make, I mean, capitalized on like trying to diminish our hunt. Mm -hmm. And um, so that part of it, you know, is kind of cool because it, you realize that, you know, karma, karma does come back. I mean, and, and you like, there's been no part of the Bernie hunt or anything like that where we've tried to rub it in, you know, the face of our neighbor. But at the same time, it's like, dude, are you why he watches all of our stuff? Like he watches it all. I mean, <laughs> but literally we we've, and we've tested it too. Cause we've literally like, we'll put something out there that we wouldn't normally put out. Like, you know, a little improvement on our property or just maybe a little cue on where we're going to be hunting or whatever. And all of a sudden next day you'll see something else will pop up a different trail camera, another tree stand on the property <laughs> line, or they're, you know, they're, they're in there the next day when we're in there. It's just like, we've, we've tested this stuff <laughs> to see <laughs> how much he is actually watching. And it's, it's actually to the point where it's almost a little obsessive. And it's like, man, this is crazy. This guy is literally obsessed with everything we're doing. And he's literally trying to derail us. And it's kind of only made it like our success. It hasn't derailed the, I guess, the end goal of killing big deer. The success portion of that is, hasn't gotten derailed at all. And, and in fact, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily helping us by any means, because mentally it's definitely not helping us. But yeah. at the same time, he's, focusing his attention in, in the wrong areas and we're just putting our head down and going to do what we love regardless and by doing that you know the chips are kind of falling to our side of the table i think we both just kind of admired how you handled it and and you know you made a comment that you know you'd rather be the guy going through it than than, than a young guy that's trying to get into this and you know i just think the approach that you guys take and how you handle that is it's admirable and um we, that was that was the reason we wanted to ask about it is just you know it's i'm sure it's something that a lot of people deal with i we both fortunately don't have you know bad situations with our adjacent neighbors necessarily sure. but um you know it's it's a it's a thing you hear about and to see the way that you guys handled it was was interesting and admirable for us i'm i'm curious too like how big is your guys's farm there like is it i mean if it's a 40 acre farm that could potentially ruin your hunt you know just completely derail a lot of your hunting efforts but like is it a big enough place that it's you know you get you get away with a little more well i mean the the, the problem is at least with this specific neighbor is our our piece that's on that side of the road is a very irregular shape so our mm. two properties they go together like i mean it's literally like a puzzle piece like gotcha. there's there's you know, right angles. It's not just like straight line. It's not just like two squares next to each other. We um, border a lot is what he's trying yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> we, we border a lot. We, yeah. I mean, it's basically, yeah, like put your fingers together and it interlocks. Um, and I think the, and I guess this is probably what is happening in most scenarios, but the most frustrating thing is this guy, like, he's a hunter. He's or a quote-unquote hunter, if that's, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's not like, I guess, some scenarios, you know, maybe someone that's your neighbor is, like, an anti-hunter, and they just really don't get it. Like, they just don't understand. So they're kind of just, um, yeah, it, it's a little bit different. But it's like, this is one hunter trying to bring down another. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and I, I've always wanted this, but you don't, if you have common goals, even if they're not the exact same, but if they're close, like he wants to grow big deer or he wants to shoot nice bucks. So do we, well, you don't realize how much you can help each other in both doing that, not just one or the other. And if you, if you work together, it doesn't mean you got to be friends, but Hey, like, we got these deer on our property. Hey, this one's two years old. This one's, you know, this one could be really good yet next year. Like you mind your business, I'll mind mine, but Hey, we're going to like, we can both let this deer go and we can act, like, that's how you build a, like a, a consistent, um, age. Structure. That's how you build. Con yeah. Just, just consistent where every year you got four or five year old bucks that mm -hmm. are fun to hunt. And to us, it's like, 
it's age over beauty for us. I mean, obviously we've been fortunate enough to have some really big racked deer to uh-huh. hunt, but it's all about, you know, if you're hunting mature deer, like they're, that's, I don't know. That's what we love to do. Cause they're, they get smarter, they get harder, you know, harder to kill. And, but if, if you work together with your neighbor, I mean, you can literally double your area and double your time and efficiency it's taking to actually build a good age structure. Um, but yeah, unfortunately in, in a case like this, it's like, it's, or at least to him, it's like, it's a competition. So it's like, I don't, I want all these to myself and I don't want anybody else to have them. That's kind of the mentality. And these aren't our deer, you know, they're not your deer. It's, it's the lands, you know, it's, it's, a. they don't know property boundaries, you know, they don't know, they don't see a posted sign and be like, Oh, I got to turn around now. You know, I can't <laughs> go over there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's, uh, yeah, like I said, it's been frustrating. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people deal with it. And sometimes we feel like, why, you know, we're like, why us, you know, like, why are we, Yeah. but it, it's, it's just a common thing, unfortunately. And you know, especially if it's a hunter to hunter, it's it's just sad that people don't understand that they could work together and do, I think, a lot, a lot greater things, at least in terms of what their their goals in hunting. Um, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. So, being respectful of time here, um, I just want to kind of close this out. I got a, I got a couple of questions I want to ask, like each of you, and just just understand kind of where your guys' heads are in terms of you know, approaching a hunt. Um, we can start with whoever you guys want. We'll start with Dave. Um, if you had one day to hunt in a year, and it had to be obviously in a legal time of year, like a one day, where would you be? And kind of just like explain to me what, what you would like the weather to be doing. Like give me all the details surrounding like that one day in, in terms of trying to kill a mature buck, where would you be? Why would you be oh, everything involved? And what day would it be? Like if it's, yeah. A, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough not to, I, I, I truly enjoy all, all, um, times of the season. And I, over the last couple of years, we've tried to really embrace all the times of the season because they're all very short. You know, the season can be long, but the actual times or the, you know, the different movements and stuff of the deer is very short. But if I'm going to pick one day, I'm going to be in the tree all day. So I'm going to, I'm going to be in the tree in November. My ultimate favorite day of the year to hunt is Veterans Day, November 11th. And I've had some crazy encounters on that day. I've killed, I killed my first really good buck on that day back when I was like 18 years old. Um, and it's always been, it's always seemed like no matter where I'm at, whether it's Ohio, New York, um, those are typically the two spots that I would be in, in that time period. Um, like I've just had awesome rut days during that day. So November 11th, I'm probably going to be up in New York with Dean, my dad and uncle Jay, because that's typically during our annual rut week and it's our favorite time of the year to hunt. We are, we're all back together as much as we're all apart throughout the year and traveling. So with those three guys, November 11th, give me like a loaf, like a crisp, you know, high 20 degree at sunrise and getting into like the low forties for a high. I want a little cloud cover and just dry crisp leaves and give me a couple sandwiches and a bottle of water and i'm sticking it out for the day <laughs> you just, and i'm gonna enjoy every minute of it. you just took me there i'm right next to you in that tree right yeah now. that's where i want to be <laughs> i love that answer all right i want to hear a, awesome. a follow-up now dean <laughs> that's tar- hard to follow that up i mean honestly i'll i'll, I'll I can divert to another time, but my, my favorite day is November 7th. And I would probably pick a similar scenario just because I want to, you know, anything can happen. It's an all day thing. Um, usually like, a, I like, I like rate like almost a frost 
in the morning. It could be a little bit above that, but I just want a crunchy leave day. Um, partly to mostly cloudy. I'm not a big, I just don't like the, the shadows of the sun a ton, but I, yeah, I just like that day because you feel like even when you get to that 10, 11, you know, noon, um, noon time, you're just like, it's still, you just feel like it can still happen. Um, but that's, that's my favorite day of the year to, to hunt. I also, October 23rd is one of those, I don't know why I just like it. It's, it's one of those times where you can get that first buck just like coming in and hammering a scrape on the edge of a food plot or something. Um, those are always, uh, that's always like been a day that, that sticks in mind, but then cause I'm still, I got a tag in Ohio here still. So I, I do love a good late season bow hunt, but it's gotta be like, like I want zero degrees and it's, it sucks to sit in. It's hard to sit in a stand, but you're just like almost in pain for being so cold. And there's gotta be like six to 10 inches of snow on the ground. And, and you're like, man, there's probably no one else out here hunting, but it's just me, like me and the buck, like I'm got to get in his mind. And you're just like, you got to kind of, your way through that that tough sit um but it kind of just makes you feel like you know it's it's gonna happen like i'm i'm enduring it's gotta happen yeah. i love that all right i got i got I, like two or three i'm sorry you had more no no i was just gonna say a close second for me is the first first hunt of the year in north dakota opening day bucks are in full velvet like mm. standing soybeans tall like chest high soybeans and just being able to see for miles sitting in a stand if it's a cool night man it's it, there you you can't you can't beat that you yeah you, you get the you get the first crack like you're you know you got the first crack and like obviously there's other people out there but north dakota is one of the first states in the country to open up so there's very few people out there collectively and it's like there's just Something about that solitude out in North Dakota um, and that first, literally, it's got to be the first opening day hunt of the year. Um, that That's that's tough to beat for me as well. I, I like that answer a lot. That's that's on my bucket list is a, a velvet yeah. deer, but it just, whatever, for whatever reason, has not lined up. But uh, a couple more questions here, quick hitters. So if I had to take away one of these, uh, which one would you keep and why? First off, a food plot. Secondly, a cell camera. You got to give up one, and you're still trying to kill that same five-year-old deer. Why would you give it up? Which one would you keep? We can start with Dean. Ooh, man, that's tough. <laughs> um, I'd probably... Ooh, I'd... I guess I could complicate it and say what time of year it is, but I would, uh, I would probably give up the food plot. Ooh, I wasn't um, expecting that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would probably, I can argue against that if it's early or late season and depending on the food, that's, that's a pretty powerful thing, but I could do a lot more. I think with a, like, I'll go, I could, I feel confident myself. Like I'll go find the buck with the cell camera yeah. and, if you just have the food plot and you're, you know, you might just not be in the right area. Like just cause you have the food plot there doesn't mean it's, there's a big buck there. Uh, we learned that, uh, we got a lot of food plots in New York and they don't, yeah, they don't always, you know, hit them or they don't always, they don't always come to them. So, um, I'm, I'm taking the cell cam. I'm taking the cell cam too. cell cam late October, picking out a scrape. If you find the right scrape and you can, you, you'll it'll be a couple day window but as soon as your buck starts hitting that scrape and when he starts hitting it close or in daylight oh go yeah. and you're in the money but that that scrape you know think about it that's to me that tactic you're finding your 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 point of interest is so small compared to a food plot where you know although you're attracting deer from farther away um and it's another great source to I mean, you could argue sitting on that and observing and making your move around that specific area would be great. But if we're picking one or the other, I'm taking the cell camera too. All right. 
Okay, so this 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 opens up a can of worms or a rabbit hole potentially, and we don't want to go down it. So just I guess maybe <laughs> quick answer and a little bit of a little bit of why are you are you running fixed blades or mechanicals? Uh, fixed, fixed. Yeah, we've we've been that way for a while. Just the pure science of it for for us, and uh, not not giving up any kinetic energy upon impact. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've been shooting fixed blade for. a a long time but yeah as david was saying it's really just comes down to science of it i mean you don't you're not getting the kinetic energy loss with a mechanical or i'm sorry with a uh, fixed blade broadhead um for us even as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast you know those those angled shots quartering two especially like i would not be nearly as confident doing it with a uh, a mechanical broadhead just because you're, you're just not going to get the penetration especially if you're hitting bone Right. Agreed. All right, so this is my last one, and I haven't quite formulated it all the way, so we'll see how it comes out. Shooting from the hip, huh? Yeah. (laughs) So you're out on public land. You're way out there. I mean, you're two miles out. And my question is, is would you rather shoot like a 125-inch type deer on a piece of public that you, you you did a little bit of scouting, maybe you just walked up to it, just drove in, you're way out, 125-inch eight-point comes by. Or would you rather shoot that same caliber deer, like on a private land, like you're all set up, you, you've been keeping an eye on the property. I think, we should, I think we should increase the score. 140, we'll call it 140. Would you rather shoot 140 out on public, way out? Or on your own farm. Or on it? your own farm. That's kind of what I was going there. Hopefully that came out all right. <laughs> Man, I I would probably. I mean, there's there's nothing more rewarding, for at least you know doing all the work on our farm than shooting a yeah what we call one of our shooters on our own own piece. I've personally never um, killed a buck on public land, so I would I would probably pick that just because that's a hell of a deer on public land. Yeah. Um, so I think I would go with the, uh, I think I would go with the public. So if we had, if it was like 140 on public or like a 155 plus on <laughs> private, then that, that, that's that's my risk reward right there. I'd be like, oh man, I don't know. That's a tipping scale. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, <laughs> Maybe that was a better question. I, I like I said, I was trying to formulate it, but I felt like. I don't know. We we hunt. I feel like very similar styles, and like just just understanding how difficult it really is to, I mean, even see bucks sometimes on public land is a challenge. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But okay. What's yeah, your do, What's your answer? Doing that on yeah, I think it would be it would be public land. You know, we've had so we've had great opportunities on our own piece of private ground and we certainly have a massive passion for, you know, managing and growing big deer as well. Um, but for me, something about like the unknown portion of it and being able to go way back in a place that you've never been before and to, to shoot a deer of that caliber on, on, in that scenario, no brainer. Yeah. That's a no brainer for, for me. I'd be, I'd be on public for sure. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I feel like I know you guys a lot better now, and um, I think we're gonna wrap plus it up. It's, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Plus, it saves a, it saves one of your deer too. Man. Yeah, I still hunt him. <laughs> <laughs> then, it, then that one forty will be maybe a one sixty the next year. Yeah. Pop back to your public, your your private piece. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, boys, we we really do appreciate your time and, and just getting to know you guys, and uh, we we both appreciate what you do for for the industry and how you guys you know wear yourselves and um, yeah, we we just really appreciate it. Yeah, I do. I have I have one closing thought. I will say there, there's a quote that I've always loved um, that I actually hadn't thought about in a long time, but when you kind of talked about your your guys's personality and that pivotal point in your guys's company when you kind of realized like you know that's that's what that's what you guys have. To, to offer to the industry and this quote that i that i used to love is the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is and again like watching your guys's content it's just it's very very 
it's very evident what you, how much passion you guys have in this, and, and it's infectious, and it's very easy to appreciate that as a as a fellow outdoorsman and, and bow hunter and, and all that. So I just I appreciate your guys' content. I appreciate what you guys are doing for for the industry. Um, you know, we want to want to give you guys an opportunity to tell everybody where they can find you know your guys' stuff and all of that. Um, and also, you know, if you you know, what would you say? to a young hunter who's trying to get into this industry in a time where, you know, like you said, it, it can be a little bit <laughs> daunting and, and, you know, people have more negative to say than they do uh, positive a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, I think w with that, you know, the biggest thing is, is hunt for you, hunt to have fun, um, be a sponge for learning because that's what, that's what hunting is all about. It's, it's not only learning about, the hunt itself, it's about, it's learning about life. It's learning about yourself, you know, learning about what your limits are. And so just, you know, go, go into it fearless and, and don't let anyone else dictate what you deem as successful. Um, whether you want to be transparent about your success or your, or what you've harvested, this, that, and the other thing, that's all up to you. But hunt for you and and have some fun while you're doing it it's just it's it's gotten way too competitive lately between hunters which is heartbreaking for you know for us too because um it, it's what we love to do and and we want to promote it so that more people can get value out of it so if you're not finding the value or if somebody is putting you down well come to one of our social media pages and share a picture Tell us a story. We'd love to hear it. On Instagram, you can find us at Team Tag and Brag. It's just T-A-G-N-B-R-A-G. And if you search Tag and Brag on Facebook, on YouTube, um, or TikTok, you can find all of our pages on there as well. It's a, You'll see our logo. It's like an interlaced T-N-B, and it's in a blue circle. It, I mean, you kind of can't miss it once you see it, but... Um, honestly, we, we would literally love to have anybody and everyone take in some of our content, come along some of our most cherished and our most memorable journeys with us. Probably our YouTube channel is the best place to find some of that. And please, like, if you have any questions, if you have, if you just want to tell a story, if you want to like, whatever, learn about self filming, about anything that we do, drop us a line leave us a comment, leave us a message. We pride ourselves on reading them all. We get back to literally everyone. If we miss it, it's, it's a mistake. And if you haven't heard from us in a day or so, message us again. Cause I guarantee like we will get back to you. It's, it's the people like you that watch us that have given us our dream that have created, you know, that have made our dream come into reality. And so we appreciate that. We can't thank y'all enough. Anybody who's ever watched the video, commented, whatever, we cannot thank you enough. And please, if you have anything, send it our way and, and we'd love to talk about it with you, share our knowledge when we can and and just be an advocate for anybody that's trying to trying to get into this for fun. Because that's what it should be. I love that. I love for sure. That. Well, we appreciate it, guys. I'm looking forward to a follow-up podcast. Maybe we could talk land management and some other items, I'm, I'm sure. So we appreciate it, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.